And now it's time for Eastcast and reports from coastal stations. East Utsira, West Utsira, South West Utsira and North North East Utsira. Wind South West, rain at times, good. Forties, fifties, sixties, Tyne, Dogger, German Bite, French Kiss and Swiss Roll. Westerly becoming cyclonic, good. Right here in London's East End. Operating at any level, any time, anywhere, and with anybody. Who are they? One might be your secretary, your doctor's receptionist, or a dancer in a go-go club. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Now, now, now. Hello and welcome to our first Eastcast of 2016 here on Resonance 104.4 FM. Happy New Year to you. We are here as usual to look at the arts, the culture and the people of East London. But the issues we cover, as always, go way beyond the East London borders. So wherever you're listening, good to have you with us. I'm Nia Charpentier and I'm here with Pearl Wise and Daniel Manning. Hello and a happy new year from me. As ever, we have a great show coming up. Live in the studio tonight, we have the founder of a cafe that's all about your happiness and well-being. And hello from me. We also have singer-songwriter Chris Belson, who's in the studio with us. We'll be hearing from him later. And you'll be hearing the latest propaganda podcast exploring selfie culture and one of the many Arrival to London stories from a new audio series about migration called Something to Declare. But first with us in the studio now is uh, Ruth Rogers, um, who last year founded the Canvas Cafe in Shoreditch, um, a social enterprise with happiness and well-being on the menu. Um, Ruth, thanks so much for coming in. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So first of all, um, what is Canvas Cafe all about? Well, we are a social enterprise, which means we're not for profit, and we are all about supporting innovation in emotional health and well-being. And we do this by hosting creative events for our community. Um, we also have this quite a unique creative concept. We're called the Canvas Cafe because we invite our customers to share their thoughts, ideas, secrets and stories on the walls of the canvas themselves. So the Canvas Cafe is a blank canvas for our customers. And so how did it all start? Well, it actually started with a charity that I run called Body Gossip. Now, Body Gossip's all about inviting people to share their stories about their bodies. And then the charity takes the stories and empowers them in live theatre shows and short films. And we've also published a book of over 300 stories. And Gok Wan wrote the foreword, so that's our little little, uh, claim to fame. Um, But I came up with the idea in 2006, and, and because I'm not the daughter of anyone famous... I really struggled to get people writing their stories. So I thought, how am I going to get this this idea out there? Uh, I had no money, um, but I did have a white sofa in my living room, which I took to events all over the UK. And I invited passers-by at these events to write one sentence about their body on the sofa. And what was supposed to be a bit of a PR gimmick actually became something incredibly moving. People were writing things on the sofa that they hadn't told their mums or their husbands or their girlfriends or their best friends, and it was starting connections and and conversations between people. And I thought this is quite a powerful concept, and that's the idea for the Canvas Cafe. That's how it was born. So the the Canvas Cafe sort of is is an extension of the body gossip concept. And um, so through your work, have you sensed that there's a kind of something missing in well-being... Provision or mental health provision? 
Um, I think that it's... I think we should all accept that you may not need to have a mental health problem to have struggled with mental health at some point. I think living in a large city can be very lonely, and I think a lot of... Uh, a lot of people are actually just looking for connections. We launched as London's first happy cafe last year alongside the amazing charity Action for Happiness and they have something called The Great Dream which is 10 keys to happier living and they are giving, relating, exercising, appreciating, trying out, direction, resilience, emotion, acceptance and meaning. Now all of those things are things that when we practice every day, every day we can actually improve our general mental health. What we do at the Canvas Cafe is allow those things to happen. People walk into the Canvas Cafe and they say they feel a warm welcome and, and that it does cheer them up and that they feel happier. So even if they don't come to one of our events, the cafe itself, with all these beautiful thoughts and opinions and stories on the walls, reminds us how wonderful humans are. Um, and while we're not doing anything directly to improve people's mental health we're not a, a mental health charity but we do support charities that are working in that field okay and so if if somebody walks in just off the street i mean they could they just think oh it's a normal cafe or will they i don't think they would no <laughs> i don't think they would because people usually walk in and go oh wow this is great wow this feels so warm and welcoming and we um, we go very we we really try to make sure that every single customer is feel, feels welcome. Um, also, the walls are just so engaging; they they just so they look so beautiful. They're so interesting. We have a huge blackboard that you can't miss when you walk in. That just shows all our events that we run. Um, so I think it's a lot more than a cafe. And I think that's pretty obvious when you first walk in. Hmm. It's, it's interesting that you mention um, this uh, issue of isolation, and that I think that's the kind of big one in London that people feel very isolated and lonely and it's becoming more and more a problem as people kind of spend more time on their computers they're spending less time with each other so um, you know finding ways to encourage people to communicate and get to an get to know each other seems to be kind of a big incentive at the moment yeah I guess imagine if you're on a tube train and actually you were given a pen and were allowed to write on the inside of the tube it would automatically start you talking to people and that's what happens at the cafe um and alongside that the work that we're doing the the events that we run so actually tonight as we talk there is a workshop on called beyond your fears which uses hypnosis and coaching to try and get people to um create a life that they feel is on their own terms that's so that's happening right now um we've also got meetups at the weekend we work with um survivors collective who are a a group of adult survivors of childhood abuse and we offer them the space in our basement exclusively. It's a private place for them to meet, and they organise wonderful events. Um, we, sh we also do talks on emotional health and well-being with the charity Inner Space. So what I'm trying to do is create an area where, even if all you do is come and have a coffee and feel, feel like you've found quite a warm, welcoming space in London, that's, that's a base level of what you can get from the Canvas Cafe. But you can also choose to go to one of our events. You can choose to host events. You know, I'm really up for hearing from people that want to do their own things with us. I'm trying to create a community hub mm. that is focused on emotional health, not specifically for people who are directly struggling and who will acknowledge that, but actually for going, this is a really scary city. It's, mm. it's hard. And come here and you'll feel like you're, you're at home. Mm. 
It's interesting what you said, the distinction between someone having a mental health problem and their emotional well-being generally. Because I wonder, I'm really into well-being and I think I recognise the importance of emotional well-being and looking after yourself. But have you had much sort of scepticism around that? Because it's kind of an idea that people are only just opening up to. I think there's a, I think there is a wave of it coming towards us. I think people are acknowledging more that... Um, I mean, look at mindfulness and how much that's... It's such an everyday part of many people's lives these days. Yeah, definitely. Um, people are acknowledging that we need to take time out to be kind to, to ourselves. In terms of scepticism, I mean, all we've really had is people walking to the cafe, to the counter and going, oh, is this a happy cafe? Right. Oh, why is it so happy? <laughs> and we just go, well... I'm off to Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, uh, we just say, well, this is what we do. Um... We, we all our food is homemade. We really think about using local ethical suppliers. We um, make everything to try and make make you feel like you've had your five a day, but without feeling like you've just had celery soup. Um, <laughs> we take care in our work. We take pride in the way we look after you and look at everything we're offering you. Most of our events are free. Um, I, yeah, I, and they usually walk away going, oh, yeah, yeah, it's quite a happy place, actually. <laughs> so, so you've turned a few people then? I think so, but we're in a really great area. We're just off Brick Lane on Hanbury Street, so we're opposite. You know that wonderful street art wall that's always changing but right now has the big heart with the... Mm. Is it heart and a face? Anyway, it's beautiful. Um, we're in a very creative, diverse area, so really we're kind of... I think there aren't many people that are sceptical. Everyone's pretty up for it. So how is the project funded, if, uh, if not through events? Well, um, I, it was able to be opened because of a fantastic charity called Beyond Business that works with Investec. You know the bank with the zebra? Oh. Yes. yes. <laughs> zebra bank. Every time I say Investec, people go, what? And I'm like, the, the zebra bank. They're like, oh, yeah, the oh, zebra the bank. And the cricket. Yes, the cricket. Um so uh, they give um, awards every year to social entrepreneurs opening businesses in East London. So I was able to open the cafe by a grant from them, and they're amazing. Um, but the plan is that it will be self-sustaining. I'm quite keen on running a business that is self-sustainable. Mm -hmm. um, we're in the first. Well, we're, we're just into our second year of trading, and no cafe's broken even by that point. Or if they have, I want to find them and find <laughs> out how they did it. Um, but yeah, the plan is. We will not rely on on funding. We will be mm. self-sustaining, which is why you should all come and have a coffee <laughs> at the Canvas Cafe and support well, I'm, us. I'm, I'm convinced. I'm definitely... I, will, I have to say, I was I was a little sceptical. Oh, I didn't know I had a sceptic. <laughs> well, I hope I'm convinced But, you, you know, that's my job. I've got to kind of yes. poke, poke you a little bit and see what it's all about. And, yeah, I'm, I am convinced. And it does sound like, a, you know, a nice place to hang out. And um, have you got any anecdotes from the wall? Have, can you remember any... Um, I'll oh, put you on gosh. the spot. Well, yes, at the, one of the lovely, a really lovely one is um, we've got a wall downstairs that says, tell us, uh, no, why do you love this city? Or tell us why you love this city. And it's someone who's drawn this really beautiful umbrella with rain sh showering down onto it and the rain is sort of splintering off the side of the umbrella. And then it just says in beautiful font... Have you seen the rain? Oh, wow. That's nice. <laughs> Isn't it nice? Yeah. I smile every time I see it. But my favourite wall, it, the question, so the, each wall at the Canvas Cafe has a question on it. And the questions are designed to either cheer you up by reminding you of a really happy time or, or inviting you to think aspirationally into the future. But one of my favourite walls, it just simply says, tell us about your grandparents. 
and that wall yeah goosebumps yeah, just such a nice beautiful idea. beautiful i mean people being so honest and brave and saying and then the stuff that their grandparents have done wow you know war veterans etc do you find that people talk to each other more yeah definitely because of that conversation definitely stuff, yeah. i mean when you have to say to someone do you mind if i stand on the bench so i can get to the bit of war that i want to write uh yeah what are you writing it really does spark conversations which is action for happiness's biggest thing connection is one of the best ways to improve your mental health having connections with people mm. which is why the tube is such a miserable scary place because no one talks to one another so maybe that all could be take next, uh, mission you know take get over me boris train. on the line <laughs> i'll see what i can do <laughs> so what's coming up um what sort of events are coming up well on thursday we're starting a brand new um pr- brand new live event called nobody wants to make our sitcoms which is a um it's a a uh, load of comedians coming together to perform the sitcoms that they've written that no one will make. Aww. So that should be very funny. Um, we have uh, we're starting some regular creative sessions. So every Sunday, uh, monthly on Sundays, we run a storytelling event where people can come along and they need to come with a, a story in their head up to about ten or fifteen minutes, and everyone in the audience will tell a story, and you can choose where the audience sits. Um, it's just a really lovely way for people to connect and make friends. Um, and we've also got plays of our lives on, on the 28th of January. And they're a, an improvised playback theatre company where um, they ask the audience to look, read the walls and um, using the walls as inspiration, come up with their own stories. And then mm. the, the cast performs the stories back to them improvised. Oh, wow. It's amazing. Yeah. And we're also actually another thing, we're starting a co-working space down in our basement for days when we don't have bookings. And um, the idea is that if people, because there are loads of freelancers and creatives, especially in East London, who need somewhere to work. And we say, you can go downstairs. We've got a board and people can write their name and their job and what they need. And oh, the right. idea is if someone in there has what they need, then that's a chance for them to connect as well. Mm. Brilliant. Lots of good ideas. Yeah. Loads really? of stuff. Yeah. Come on down. Come and um, say so hi. Remind us where it is. So the Canvas Cafe is at 42 Hanbury Street, just off Brick Lane, just by the Truman Brewery, and we're at uh, thecanvascafe.org or at the Canvas Cafe on Twitter. Perfect. Thank Fantastic. you so much. Thank you. You're listening to East Coast Show on Resonance 104.4 FM. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook at East Coast Show. And you can listen again to our interviews and music online on iTunes and at eastcastshow.com. Why not sign up to our monthly newsletter and you'll get all our audio news straight into your inbox. Now, Rami Raddy is the organiser of Laid Bear, Laid Bear Live, Laid Bear Live Open Mic Nights in South London. You might remember him when our very own Anna Xavier interviewed him at his first venture into the music scene at the Hackney Picture House. Since then, Rami has started his own label, Laidback Records, and so Anna went to find out about his journey from setting up music nights in York while he was a student to today running his own record label. Hi, my name is Rami Radi, and I'm the founder of Laid Bear Live. Okay, so I used to run a couple nights up in York when I went to university up there. And when I moved back down to London, it was always the plan to start something down here, but it took me a little while to get it together. And it was actually going to see an amazing uh, open mic night in West London at the Paradise uh, a few years ago, which would kick me into action. And yeah, I contacted the Ritzy in Brixton and we had our first Laid Bear Live, or Laid Bear at the Ritzy in July 2013. And uh, since then, 
We've expanded to uh, Fu Manchu in Clapham, Brixton East as well. And um, as of this month, we're starting up at Century Club in Soho. How do you select the acts? So when I first started, it was a matter of going around all the other open mic nights in South London and trying to nab the best ones. I mean, that, that's how it started. But thankfully now, I mean, you know, it's got a bit of a reputation for itself. And, you know, a lot of the time the acts approach me, which is great. It makes my life a lot easier. I not, do Not only in London, but also across Europe, I think you got uh, an act, yeah. acts that were not just uh, from the UK. Yeah, and we've, we've had acts from the States come over and... New Zealand, um, a guy called William Poyer has been um, living out in Mexico for the last three years. He's actually from Swansea, but he chose Laid Bear to be his, his sort of homecoming show uh, back in November, which was great. So, yes, yeah, so I like to feel it's getting a bit of a reputation for itself, you know, a like further afield, which is good. So, if you'd have to sell Laid Bear to somebody... Yeah, so what I think is sort of special about Lay Bay, there is a, a nice sort of community, family vibe, that it's a welcoming and sort of laid-back place. Um, any highlights from these three years that you would like to mention? I think when we first moved away from the Ritzy, I think that was a big, um, a big, a big deal for us. We went and did a, a night at Brixton East um, in the summer of 2014, and... I suppose that that was a you know a bit tricky. I wasn't quite sure what to expect, but um, we kind of build it as a um, an opportunity to sort of showcase some of the most popular acts from our monthly residency. And I mean that that was amazing because you know just seeing how it could work outside the Ritzy and it kind of gave me the confidence to to move on from there. You know and you know contact other venues. And I suppose other than that, it's you know this month we've got our label, which is been launched this this month uh, laid bare records um, we have uh, an EP by uh, the wonderful Chris Belson uh, it's called moon songs and that's actually out now and um, we, we're going to be having a launch party for Chris and also for the label launch at the Ritzy on Thursday 14th of Jan okay one was the moment they decided to to proceed from doing the night to kind of add an extra step and, and just yeah. kick their record label it was always the aim I, you know it was always more of like a long-term thing something I thought you know oh, that's probably what will become in the end but to be honest with you it was meeting Chris last summer um, him coming to perform um, at the Ritzy and then sort of you know kind of got me my mind sort of ticking over a little bit um, I know that he'd had um, an EP that was almost almost ready to go and I thought you know well, why, why don't we try and put it out for him and um, you know Chris is a, a wonderful guy and I was sort of happy to kind of work with him. I thought I could see, I could see that working. And what's coming up next? What projects do you have lined up? We're actually going to be releasing another EP in March, which is pretty exciting. We've got a, an artist called William Poyer uh, who's going to be releasing his debut album, which is very exciting. Other than that, we did a trial run for a podcast at the end of last year called Laid Bear Transmission and that's going to be going out monthly from February, which is very exciting. Um, and other than that, uh, Laid Bare Sessions is an opportunity for us to get a little bit more online presence. And, you know, we're going to be filming some of the acts that come and perform with us at Laid Bare. Um, yeah, and, you know, all of this will be available on our website, which is laidbarelive.com. In three years, you had plenty of acts. Can you, I know it's a bit hard now on the spot, but can you mention a few... So I suppose being able to attract sort of some of the more established artists, you know, felt felt good. You know, kind of made me feel we were heading in the right direction. Um, 
last year we had Killer Keller come and perform with us, and you know he's he's a, actually a beatboxer, which is um, not the kind of thing you hear down at Lady Bear normally. But you know, I first actually came across him when he was supporting Pharrell Williams at uh, Brixton Academy uh, about 10 years ago. So 10 years later, he was coming performing one night. It was, you know, pr- pretty amazing. We've also had a band called Childhood, who are a bit of an enemy darling, you know, a bit of an in- indie band who um, brought out a- an album last year, which, you know, went, went really well for them. And a few months ago, we also had a guy called Benny Tapini, who is a, a platinum-selling platinum artist from New Zealand. And he's, you know, a singer-songwriter who's uh, came down and sort of wowed us all. It was pretty, pretty impressive. Um, other than that, you sort of acts to look out for. We, we've got a, an artist that's performed with us a few times called Jade Bird, who is amazing. Equally, Burns are a band that have come and performed uh, with us a few times, and they sort of always get the, the crowd going. Um, we've got Chalk who are a duo that performed us a few times which was pretty, pretty amazing of course our man in the field uh, Chris Belson and L Crisis who is a, a poet and spoken word artist from Brixton and uh, yeah he's pretty amazing too if there's any bands that want to get in touch with you so should they do it through your emails or your social media yeah if anyone wants to get in touch probably the best thing to do is come through our website laidbearlive.com thank you so much Show. 
You just heard Jade Bird with Then You Ought To. And next up, we're delighted to welcome back into the studio singer-songwriter Chris Belson. You performed for us back in September. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just heard Rami talking all about Chris, and Chris has just released his debut EP, Moon Songs, last week. So welcome back. We're going to catch up with you in a few minutes, but first of all, let's hear something from the new record. What are you going to play for us? Okay, um... I guess I'll play a song called Children, which is uh, um, from the new EP. Um, and I guess um, it's kind of about an imagined reality where I'm, um, where I'm uh, mother and father um, whose kids have, have left and, and what's left behind after that, that happens. Wonderful. Take it away. There's a bed you leave unmade A place at the table that's always laid And is it a sin to sit by the phone You're just waiting for the kids to come home And there's a silence Whenever you call Abandoned bedroom The other side of the wall And every time That doorbell rings You're just waiting for the kids to come in Oh children Where have you gone? Why don't you come back to where you belong? Children, children. There's a daughter and there's a son. They don't live here now, no, they won't come And as the daytime turn to black You're just waiting for the kids to come back And now you're alone again A husband and wife And all of the children Gone from your life Though they're living somewhere Far away You're still hoping That they'll hear when you say Oh children Where have you gone? Why don't you come back To where you belong? Children, children, 
children children wonderful <clears throat> thank, thank you, you chris um i'm going to start by talking about david bowie because your ep came out the same day as his yeah, final album that? what a coincidence um and over the past few days we've heard hundreds of musicians talking about how he inspired them. So I wonder, what did his me music mean to you and the music you play? Man, well, I guess it's hard to be a musician and, and not have David Bowie have touched your kind of, um, your life and, and the way you write music to, to some extent. I know for me it started maybe uh, with my parents' record collection, potentially. I think my mum had a copy of Ziggy Stardust that I, I, I listened to when I was quite young and... Um, it's just even uh, what like what would have been thirty years after it was released, maybe it still had this kind of incredible, mind blowing kind of um, freshness to it. Um, uh, it's just dev devastatingly sad. Uh, like I was completely shocked, like most people were. Um, uh, it's, we've definitely lost a, a very kind of bright spirit in the Absolutely. musical world. But he lives on in lots of young musicians coming I hope up so, today. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like he's maybe a bit like the Big Bang, like he exploded into everyone's lives and he's just been constantly expanding and the light's just been expanding and expanding and it'll carry on going um, even if uh, we, we find it hard maybe in years to come to trace our way back to the origins of that uh, explosion. Is That's that an amazing a weird way analogy? to put it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Great way to put it. Um, so your new EP is called Moon Songs, yes, speaking yep. of space. Uh, you've already got some really great reviews for it. And I wonder, because last time we saw you, you've gone off and on your own, you've been working on this quite privately. Music is quite a sort of personal, private thing. What's it like handing over your work to the public for the reviews and the other side of it? Well, on one hand, it's probably kind of a relief, I think. Um, it, I've, been, I've had these songs for quite some time and um, I was very lucky enough to uh, cross paths with Rami, who uh, you heard in the, in the segment before uh, before now. And um, he, uh, it kind of felt like they were kind of unopened letters that I'd written, but no one had been able to open them and um, and read what was inside. So I'm very happy in, in one sense. I guess there's always that kind of nervousness when you've you've kind of created these things and uh, they feel very fragile and you're putting them out to for kind of people to you know throw about and listen to and then um, but I don't know I mean in terms of reviews uh, I guess I don't know hopefully I like to think whoever releases music out into the world people are going to be just positive and sportive about it and um, I I disregard any kind of uh, more kind of negative, um, negative kind of uh, reviews and comments and things. Absolutely, yeah, very important. So mm. we're going to hear another track from you. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about this one. This is kind of um, keeping uh, within the, the kind of um, space uh, planetary kind of things Good, for some a, reason. A theme uh, that's, not, that's not the, the whole the whole EP, but um, it's definitely a thread. Um, and it was written um, about a friend that um, believed quite deeply in um, uh, reading um, star signs and um, kind of interpreting kind of um, 
movements in space, I suppose. So this is the planets align. Yeah. Planets align And all things come to be I didn't yet know what they had in store for me Still trying to find a simple pattern The planets align but nothing happened Well maybe I don't know how to read the signs if it's written in the stars and the stars never lie The planets above Not always full of love And so some might say they could be as clear as blood Yes, they could be the end or the beginning a fallout with a friend or a bloody killing Well, maybe I don't know how to read the signs If it's written in the stars and the stars never lie And yes, I was born in the eighth house Ruled by a staggering doubt Yes, I was born in the eighth house Still trying to figure it out The planets collide And all things come to end did anyone know or predict the moment when The world would once again become an atom The planets align but nothing happened Well maybe I don't know how to read the signs If it's written in the stars and the stars never lie if it's written in the stars and the stars never lie. Wow, thank you. Um, so tomorrow night you are having a launch party for your EP yep. upstairs at the Rixie in Brixton. Exactly. Yeah. So, so head down or up there. Mm -hmm. um, that's free. What else do you have planned for the rest of the year? Well, um, I guess we've got a, a mini tour in mind in the kind of planning stages, hopefully uh, kind of around the London area um, and possibly kind of wanting to stretch up um, to kind of where I grew up and started off as a musician as well in Northamptonshire. Okay. Um, there's also a small tour in France that is, again, in, plan in the planning stages um, and uh, another recording. But um, I guess that everyone's just kind of um, gearing up into 2016 and yeah. working things out. Watch this space yeah. for more 
Chris Belson. Moon Songs is out now on Laid Bear Records. You can hear more from Chris on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. And you can also hear him on Facebook and at chrisbelson.com. And head down to the Ritzy in Brixton tomorrow night for the launch party. Thank you so much. I have to say, the atmosphere in the studio is very relaxed this evening. Very mellow. Very mellow. I'm not sure if it's a combination of Chris and happiness. I don't know. There's something going on. We're all feeling very chilled. (laughs) Maybe I'll have a sleeping audience tomorrow. uh, Hopefully not. There'll be a happy sleeping audience. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So over the past few months... um, I've been working on a project called Something to Declare and it's a collection of recordings of people's arrival stories to London. Um, It could be their own story or the story of their parents or their grandparents. And the wonderful thing about London is that most people do come from somewhere else. Um, So I've been collecting these stories and just making a kind of statement that most people do have something to declare. So this is Sheikh, who I met in Hackney, and he came to London from Sierra Leone when he was a young boy. My name is Sheikh Ibrahim Kamara. Now, Sheikh, or uh, pronounced in the orthodox manner, is Sheikh, which is Arabic, which means I was born in a Muslim, into a Muslim family in West Africa, Sierra Leone, many, many moons ago, uh, precisely when 1960. Now... I grew up in Sierra Leone as a child in 1960, went to primary school there. I transitioned into secondary school, and within the, by the second year of secondary school, my father and his brother had made a deal that his only son, my father's only son being myself, would benefit by coming to London with his brother, my uncle, who was to then come to London to be a financial attaché at the Sierra Leone Embassy. So we flew out. With this entire, well, no, we didn't actually fly out. We came by cruise line out, sorry to say, came by boat. And we landed at uh, Liverpool, and we were based in Golders Green. Culture shock, everything shock. The house, <laughs> the streets, the climate, the food, because we came, we came in March. I was 12 years old. And uh, so the language was a problem. Television was helpful, but not that helpful. And, of course, we had to just immediately join society, go to school. And it was a baptism of, if, if not fire, boiling water. <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, when you're under pressure, you're against the wall, you become creative, and you do pick it up. You do pick up the accent. You do, you do get to know what London is all about. So that, if you like, was my baptism into British culture and, and the society. If I was on that cruise today, I would enjoy myself. We were in a multi-story flat that was on the sea, literally. It was nauseating, the rocking of this boat, and you throw up a lot, you know, although I was one of the last ones to actually do that. It was fascinating. It's a place to explore. You had men in, in, in livery uniforms doing their thing. You had your cabin. You knew where you belonged. And you often went, as a child, you often went where you didn't belong. For example, the chapel. The amount of times I was thrown out of that chapel. Why? Because there was a piano there. And I was always, <laughs> you know, it was always open. I don't know why they left it open. And I'll go in and the man will come in and speak. And suddenly, oops, we'll run away. It was also an encounter 
with, if you like, white people, you know, to be amongst so many white people who were traveling from West Africa, colonial West Africa, then to back home, I suppose. I was fascinated. I was fascinated. I was fascinated in, in everything about them, and they were fascinated with us, I suppose. You know, the speech, the manners, the food, that was something else. Because on, on board, you had, it's like in the army, you had the reveille, you know, the, the pa -pa 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 -pa, to wake up the soldiers and whatever. But on board the cruise ships, there was a, a tone that came out of the speakers to announce breakfast and lunch and supper. That was fine. But <laughs> the encounter with the, the, how can I call it now? I don't call it the, the culinary culture or something else. To go to breakfast and you struggle to hear what the waiter's trying to tell you. And there was, there, there was stage breakfasts, you know, breakfast for the juniors, and then we would disappear, having messed up the place, and then the adults would come in. And the waiter would come up and address you very really, good morning, sir, and you're thinking, oh, this is nice. And they will ask you what you want. And you will say bread, and then they will say, give you choices of bread. And you think, toast or not toast? And you're thinking, okay. And you just would go for something as, as a child. And then that will be served to you, and you will choose your egg. And if you choose, uh, if you choose it fried, it'll be sunny side up. And this was something else, you know. Choices were just just multiplying. But for example, a boiled egg will arrive, and this is I think it's called soldiers or something, yeah, with a sliced toast and so. On. Now, it comes in a cup, unusual. It comes with a spoon. Sure. <laughs> I will ignore this. We, my, my cousin, my younger cousin, and I will ignore the spoon and the cup. Just put it aside. We're not into that. Some butter, please. That, that's that. And we will in, endeavor to crack this egg as we, we know how with our fingers. That's fine. Stage one. It's a bit soft, which is okay. And then you get to the middle, and it's the yolk is still alive, and we abandon breakfast. Coldest green to the 70s. For us, I think the first shock was that I think our the property we lived in was semi yeah it was semi detached you know two houses together. You had no reference. What do you make of stuff? You you have no reference. All the houses just are joined up all down the road. You think okay fine that's how it is that's how it is, and there's no human traffic you know there's no. Where are the people? You wonder, day in, day out. You know, we, we're going to see the people next, tomorrow, right? No, they're not there. That's not how it works here. If you're up early in the morning, you see Mrs. Jones, Mr. Burry, they go with this briefcase into their cars or they disappear and then they, they come back and disappear in their houses. So that was kind of shocking. Life was conducted indoors. You know, Life was so indoors. And we've come from a place where the doors, the, the doors don't matter. They really don't. They're left open wide day in, day out. So that kind of secured in our minds that, wow, there's some big differences here. And we have to grow up and accept this. If you're walking down the road and you do see that odd neighbor and you say, hello, you're not necessarily going to get a response. And that's kind of heartbreaking for a child anyway. You know? and, but you learn. You learn that. Keep yourself to yourself. You will make friends at school who happen to live near you, and this was a light in your life 
in that, you know, uh, Alan is just there. Thank God for that. I've got Alan. Hi, Alan. And Alan will come and you'll interact. And I'll sum it up by saying everything seems to be on an appointment basis. Yeah. That's, that's, it really is. And we all become like big appointments. I went back with longing romance, even though I went to bury my mother or attend her funeral. So I went home, and uh, everything that seemed huge had now become minuscule. I've grown, right? It was a feeling of nostalgia for me. All the elements that I knew as a child. That salty smell of the sea, you know, the, the, the distant noises, the smell of the place, the ambience, everything, the earth, the, just the, the good feeling of saying, yeah, I know why this place is comfort for me. After 40-something years, all my peers have done the right thing. They have applied for British citizenship. They've got it. They've got the dual citizenship. I have not. I'm not being nationalistic or anything, but what am I running from? Where am I running to? So all these stories have been embedded into a world map, and you can listen to more of them at somethingtodeclare.co.uk. And if you want to record your own arrival story, do get in touch um, via Twitter at East Coast Show or on eastcastshow.com. So in the spirit of the new year, I looked back into the Eastcast archives and dug up this interview with The Good Gym in Hackney, where you can do good for your community and keep fit and all for free, as Addy, one of their coordinators, explains. Addy Aboba and I'm the Good Gym Hackney coordinator. Okay, so tell me a bit about what The Good Gym is. At The Good Gym, um, we are a group of runners who run to do good in our local communities. Um, I coordinate the Hackney branch, but there's a branch in Tower Hamlet, in Camden, in Lambeth, um, and soon to be other branches in other areas. We also have um, branches in Bristol as, um, as well. So it's really growing? Yeah, yeah, amazing. It's really amazing. It's great to know that there's people out there who want to do something for the local community but also get themselves fit to them as well, which is brilliant. And um, what's your background? Are you a fitness instructor? Yeah, so um, I'm a personal trainer um, and a jog coach. I also have a background in urban regeneration and community engagement. So when I found the Good Gym, when I started volunteering with them over two years ago, I just thought it was the perfect combination mm. of, yeah, working with local people but also keeping fit as well so yeah and what sort of what sort of jobs do you do around the community okay then so um so for instance um tonight um we're working with the secret seed society um, moving their um, garden from the roof down to the the ground floor and their bee garden as well we also work we're working with growing communities and their patchwork farmers and then basically they're an organization who are looking at um training local people so they'll actually take over small urban patches so they actually develop and grow local veg for local people. So I've been working for them since the start of Good Gym, um, Good Gym Hackney and it's great to be able to sort of see how they've developed over the year and actually now growing local food um, to supply local businesses and the local people there as well. So how does it work? Do you put a call out to... to 
yeah. businesses to see who needs help. Yeah, it's, um, it happens uh, vice versa, really. So we put a call out and we contact local community groups, um, growing groups, um, elderly people's groups, etc. And then people start to hear about what we do. So also people then start to put a call into us, which is great. Mm. So the, um, the word is spreading, which is wonderful. Yeah. Okay. And it's really quite hard work. I mean, I've just run here... <laughs> Great, isn't I signed it? up. Um, we ran. How, how many how many kilometres would you say um, that, that 3.5 was? 3.5k. 3.5. And we'll be doing 3.5k on the way back as well. And it's quite you know full on sort of. That's the whole idea. Yeah. It's the whole idea that um, who needs who needs the gym when actually yeah. um, a decent run and actually lots of lifting, pulling, dragging, painting, etc. Um, actually provides a really good workout for you. How many calories do you think I've burnt? <laughs> I would say quite a lot. Have you been running up and down the stairs as well? Yeah, I've done two of those trips. I with a, quite with, a lot of calories. Yeah. I would say quite a lot of calories there. <laughs> Lovely. Eddie, thank you very much. Oh, no problem. I was in pain for about 10 days after that. <laughs> it really does work you hard. Um, if you are keen, Good Gyms, um, uh, they do weekly meetups, but they've also got their first race of 2016. Um, it's the Worthing Half Marathon on the 14th of February. Um, all the details are at goodgym.org. You are listening to Eastcast uh, on Resonance 104.4 FM. All our interviews, listings and music are online at eastcastshow.com and on iTunes. And um, you can get in touch with us via Twitter or Facebook at Eastcast Show. Oh, also, <laughs> um, Resonance uh, 104.4 needs you. Um, the station will be running a fundraiser from 13th to the 21st of February, so we'll be telling you more about that on our next show in February. Now, who do you think you are? Not a question you need to answer right now, but the title of the last propaganda event that took place at the book club in Shoreditch in November. Um, taking a look at... The somewhat confusing current social phenomenon that is selfie culture. Each event attempts to pop notions around a topic floating around the zeitgeist and the discussion is then distilled into a podcast. So here it is, propaganda number three, selfie culture and the future of personal identity. Exit freedom of thought. The time is not yet. Let us pray that it never happens. Can we agree that capitalism is an economic system, a system for the production and distribution of things we need and want? If you treat her right, she might make you a darn good employee. What's the answer? Is it money or is it magic? It defies any code of morality. Let me be clear. Here's how you can relive a good time over and over again. See it. Big as life. Just aim, focus. Snap. It's as easy as that. Ertie, just press the button. So to kick us off, we have two advocates or speakers here. First is Yashka Moore, who founded Imagine, where her focus is narrative design. What I did after working in philosophy and couture fashion, 
I decided to take elements from both of those to launch my company, Imagine. Taking elements from immersive theatre and experience design, we create a service for highly creative individuals uh, to re-engage with what we might call a personal mythology. Our next speaker is Anastasia Niedinger. She founded Still Yaga magazine. A publication which is concerned with our zeitgeist, our trends and so forth. Celebrating perpetual thought. I hope it sets it apart from other publications because it's much more cerebral. Most publications are just pure reportage. Narrative for me is particularly important, the idea of storytelling, the idea of the, the stories we tell to ourselves about ourselves. And potentially narrative is something which, which is so important in terms of identity. If, if you take two points which, which seem to be completely disconnected and then you draw a line between them, this is what the narrative is. This is you have many stars in the sky and you, you draw lines between them, you get a constellation, which is actually what creates meaning. Without that narrative, without the trend between the two or more, we just have points which we can't necessarily construct meaning or deconstruct meaning from. The selfie raises more questions about who we are than it answers. The selfie fails to express our authentic identity because more often than not, any one person's collection will reflect a relentless consumption of different clothing, attitudes and cultures, all the while restricting experience to an aesthetic on a square screen. If one library of selfies contains a variety of selves, it's usually reflective of the hyperactive pace of capitalism, essentially. Not really a reflection of the nuanced self, it's postmodern noise. But what we might say is that we have a kind of a rise of individualism. If we look within culture, we have a rise of an honouring of an individual moment rather than a trend or a narrative. So what we might have had in the past with a long story with all sorts of different generations, we now have a chapter which spends the entire time dissecting the minutiae of one moment. We could see it in one respect as an honouring of, of our existence at one point. But what's potentially problematic is that it's narrativeless. And so if you have a hundred selfies, it doesn't make a story. What we understand as her past is not a fixed thing, but something that keeps on being reconstructed permanently and is forever shifting to accommodate her present reality. If we look at this selfie a little bit like a snapshot of a situation and a particularly heavily staged one, it tends to be, a, in a sense, an anchor and something that as your memories flow and a lot of the information and the content that was there richly vivid before disappears, it makes that slightly empty frame becomes more and more relevant and allows you to, over time, portray increasingly an image that was, in a sense, artificially created with sometimes a particular objective in mind. Why does this group of individuals keep logging and collecting and diversifying the content of their images. Are you all here to find out why other people are taking selfies? Because that's why I'm here. I think all of us need some kind of external validation. Is the kind of digital world skewing where we get our sense of validation from towards the external, towards this limitless sea of digital likes? Maybe there are a lot of people who also just find it deeply embarrassing to just broadcast yourself. I also take selfies, but I'm a curator. So in some way, that's, that's the point. I, I always, I'm trying to curate what I'm showing. 
I wonder if actually what saves us in the selfie is the fact that we are creating a reality which isn't there, we're creating something aspirational. That's what's artistic about that act, whereas if we were simply creating a world which tried to reflect absolutely the world that we're in, then we would be persisting in the self-referential act. Is it the selfie per se, or is it that we've lost the ability to know what to do with a photograph and the medium itself? And I wonder whether some of our criticisms about the selfie is because we're not quite sure how to interpret the medium of the photograph anymore. It's a technologically prescribed phenomenon. Um, you know, and as technology changes, the way that we think we should be expressing ourselves will change as well. You can put yourself in comparison to an increasingly huge number of other people. And on the one side, that increases the pressure on, on yourself to post a successful brand. And from that comes the idea that we're of personal branding and that we're all trying to sell one product that is oneself. Are we who we are online? If someone wanted to get to know you, where would you send them? How would they get to know you? Would they know you if they had full access to your online profile? And what does that tell us? People need to express an opinion, even if it's for the sake of saying something these days. We're living in a time where content is king, and it's not just visual anymore. We have to express some sort of perspective or ideology and you have to express some sort of standpoint, otherwise you become irrelevant. It is important to be critical of what use of useful information and what's just fodder throughout all this data we get on a daily basis. We are addicted to information, providing it as well as consuming it, and being very introspective about ourselves. So categorizing ourselves through BuzzFeed lists, Oh, top 20 mannerisms when you're in this situation. Guardian editorials, Vice articles. It's a massive matrix of, of information about ourselves that I think we're obsessed with and that we're validating ourselves via. Feeding and consuming information culture is the next stage of identity. But like the selfie, it is the next prevalent cause for the dilution of personality, the dispersion of identity across many, many areas of interest. It's such a fundamental human need to try to trace coherence in the things we see around us, to look for patterns and stories. And perhaps the most fundamental of those is what are the patterns and stories that make us who we are, even if it's not always something completely fixed. So perhaps the future might be about becoming more comfortable with an idea that we change all the time and that who we are is many different things and distributed in different places in the real and digital world. The next propaganda event will be held at Somerset House um, on Friday the 29th of January as part of the Big Bang Data Exhibition that's on there at the moment. And we will be exploring the role of data in our lives. And now it's time for us to say goodbye. East Coast Show will be back next month on the 10th of February with more sounds and stories. Thanks for listening.